Welcome to June. Aren't you glad it's here? Amen. If school's not ended for, for some of you, it will be soon. So finish strong. But for the rest of you, congratulations. You made it. I'd like to offer a summer school program that Pastor Jason would like to, you to participate in this summer. Should you? Just kidding. We're not going to take a break. Listen, here's what we are praying. We, we hope that you and your family do get away and enjoy some time and, and, and just making memories. Amen. So if you go to the coast, make memories. If you go to the mountains, make memories. If you go to Bergheim, make memories. Wherever your exotic location is this summer. But let's maximize. I think it's okay for us to pause and, and just relax and rest. And, and uh, you, you know, some of the things that we as parents have an opportunity, this is not the sermon, but this is good stuff. Um, but, but some of the opportunities before us over these next several weeks is to create some memories uh, that our kids will forever remember. Amen. And pour into them and continue to instill things into their lives. And so, um, uh, kids, you might tend to get lazy this summer, but parents, don't get lazy. And let's make memories with our family and celebrate together. And um, it's good. Glad you guys are here. We're going to launch into a, a new series today. And, and, and it's going to be something that we're going to focus on, actually, uh, for, for these summer weeks together. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's entitled Restore as if you didn't already notice that. Um, um, is that big enough? Can you read that font? Okay. Uh, but, 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 but here's the deal. Uh, the, the, the Lord impressed upon me several weeks ago that, 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 that there are some things in, 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 our, in our world today that are broken and are not functioning and operating as they were originally intended. Did you hear that? There's some things around us, some, some areas, some, some thoughts. There's some people that, that, that are, are, are not living and, and, and operating today as God originally created them to operate and function. And so, so we're, we're, we're going to unpack one of these areas each and every week. And, and, and I know that there's going to be some vacation opportunities for you. So, so take that vacation. But, but we also want to encourage you to not miss out on the journey uh, when you are here in town so, so that you can, can, can really let the Holy Spirit do a work in us. And we need a work of the Spirit, right? I love the words of that song, when you move when you do what only you can do, it changes us. And, and what we're praying for during this series is a work of the Spirit that changes us. Amen? Don't you, don't you need some change? Come on. Uh, none of us have ever re have reached it or attained all that God has for us. And so I really believe that, that God wants to do something awesome in our lives over these next several weeks. You know, restore is a big deal to us here at 1910. In fact, it's part of our purpose. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the son of man came to find and restore, right? We believe that that's why Jesus came. He, he came looking for, for things. He came looking for people that, that, that were not living, that were not functioning, that were not operating or, or doing the things that God originally intended for them when he created them. And so Jesus came with a sole purpose to find things that were broken and, and hurting, things that seemed hopeless, things, things that seemed like there was, that, that they just put out to pasture and that no one was ever going to. He came for those things. He came for us. 
And he came to find us, but to bring us back into a relationship with God and for us to be able to live and experience life as God wanted us to when he created us. And so restore, I looked up the word restore just to, to kind of paint a picture for us as we launch into this today. And, and the word restore, it means to bring back. It means to, to return to, to a former condition or a place or position, repair or renovate. So, so as to, to return it to its original condition. Hey, would you agree with me? We, we need some restoration in, in our culture today. That, that, that there are some things that God set out and placed and created years ago that are not functioning, operating um, as it, its original condition. Are you with me today? We need God, don't we? We need God now more than ever before. I said it earlier, but our nation is in turmoil. Darkness surrounds us. There's an unrest that seems to be present in the air all around us. And we just need restoration. We need to be restored. And so today I want to launch out and start this. And I'm going to throw a lot at you today. Uh, There's going to be a lot of scripture. There's a lot of Bible in it today. And as some people say, well, don't you always use? I do, but, but there's a lot of it today. And if you, if you have your Bible app and you're looking under the live event and you see our notes there, you're, you're good. The rest of you are going to be like paparazzi. You're going to want to take pictures today of the screens and, and all of that good stuff. Okay. And those of you watching online, get ready. I hope that you've hydrated and have carved up because it's going to be intense over these next few moments. But we have to start when we think about something being restored, you have to start with the original creator of it all, the architect, the one who has the blueprint for everything else. And today we're going to start with God because here, here's my concern. I don't think we view God like we should today. We don't. We, 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 we have settled for less. We, we have a, a lower view, I believe, of who he is and, and how we should approach him than, than what, what is, what, what's the right approach. In fact, I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. He says this, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So, so let me just start right there if I can. When you think of God, what do you think about? What comes to your mind? Some people in our culture today see God as a genie in a bottle. I went and saw the movie Aladdin this weekend and it's awesome. But some of us view God as that genie in a bottle. We rub it, he comes out and he does whatever we ask him to do for us. We deserve it. It's our right, correct? Some people see God maybe as, as a tyrant or a dictator, that he rules with an iron fist. And he's, he, some people see him as he's angry and he's just out to get us. He wants to make life miserable. S- some people don't even see God. They, they don't even think that he's real or exists. Although I would say that everyone really does believe in something or someone. You do. There is a God in every one of our lives today. That may not be the one true God and and Jehovah and the God of of the heavens and the earth. It may not be him, but but some people just don't believe at all. Some of us believe that God is, we see him as like a friend, 
right? We sing songs that I am a friend of God. You know, we call ourselves a child of God. We, we see ourselves in that capacity. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but, but even in that, I would just be, be careful that we, we just not relegate God to a friend like what we have here on earth. And we just see them as just another someone or something. Listen, there is no one like Jehovah God. And what comes to your mind when you think of him shapes the way you act and behave. Your view of God today directs your steps. Your, 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 Your view of God is everything about you. Tozer was right, but a person's conception of God is is central to to how you perceive your world. And more importantly, it's going to control how you behave in it. So what do you think of God? What or who is God to you? Now, there's something about the Bible that we believe here at 1910 Church, that, that, that this eternal existence of God that we find in the Bible, it's just a matter of fact. It is. Now, now for some of us, it's hard for us to just take that and accept that. You see, you, you, have to, you have to accept that truth. You have to step out in something that I would call faith. We, we, we as humans love to be able to figure things out. We love to wrap our minds around something. Or, or if you're like me, if you can't figure it out, you call somebody that can come and fix it and figure it out, right? Right? But, 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 but we struggle whenever we can't completely wrap our minds around something and prove it or have it all figured out. Or am I talking to anybody? Is anybody like that, right? You, you struggle and when you can't, it messes you up. And, and when you can't completely figure it out, what we tend to just do is say, okay, well, it's not worth it. It's, it's not important anyway. And, and even when you read the Bible and you find about the existence of God, many people today are asking for proof that, that God really exists. And, and, and you're going to be hard pressed to, to find analytical proof and, 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 and analysis that, that God is, is who he is. You have to step out on faith. And, but here's what I do know when you take that step, when you launch out on it, because I was reminded of it through an old Indiana Jones movie. That when I step out on faith, and even though I may not see something, when I really believe it, then it's reality. You see, our culture says this, I need to see it before I believe it. But faith says, believe it and you'll see it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, there's some people that are listening here today in the house or online that have have said yes to Jesus and and you begin to experience a personal God. You begin to experience the peace and the presence and the joy that he brings someone, right? Am I talking to you? Two, that's great. Altar call is going to be awesome today, right? When you read the Bible, it starts with God. It it, it begins with him. In fact, the very first verse of the very first chapter in the very first book, the first four words say, in the beginning, God. It starts with him. It starts with God. Now, I know that our limited human intellects, and by the way, you are limited, as great as you think you are, with our limited human intellects, we, 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 we struggle or, or we begin to wonder, hey, why does God do some of the things he does then? And it's a struggle for many in our culture today. 
And you're not going to find maybe a lot of answers in the Bible as to to why everything happens the way that it happens. I, I don't know the science behind the sun rising and falling. I just know that God put it in motion and he made it that way. I, I, I don't know why the, the, the water only comes up to a certain point of the land and then it stops. And some of you say, well, this is called elevation, bro. I, okay, but, 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 but God, God did that to start with, right? I mean, he could flood it all too if he wanted to. Do we believe that? He, 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 he did it. And we see that, but, 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 but we struggle sometimes when we just, and, and, and it's hard sometimes to find all of those answers in scripture as to, as to why God does the things that, that, that he does and how he acts. Here's what I do know about the Bible though, that, that, that when we read about God and, and, and we find some things about who he is, because it is to shape how we live our lives. It is to shape how, how we, we, we find the things that we need to know so, so that we in turn can, can, can live the, 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 the life that he desires for us to live. We're reminded in scripture oftentimes that of God's intelligence and how much wisdom he possesses and, and how much we don't. Look what it says in Isaiah 55. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Can I just tell you something? God knows more than you do. Even in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, now we see things imperfectly like, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. You know what that says? Sometimes we're just not going to know it all. You might think you're one, but sometimes we just don't know. Our minds are limited. God's isn't. In, in, in fact, I, I just, I, I gotta, I have to say this from the beginning just to put us all on the same level today. God is God and you are not. He's just God. He's God. And we will never measure up to who he is. We, we will never be him. There are a lot of people that try to be God. There are a lot of, of imitations. In fact, don't they say that imitation is the greatest form of, of flattery, right? There are a lot of people that are trying to be him, but I'm telling there is no one that compares to the great God that we at 1910 have gathered this morning to worship and celebrate. Amen? None of us. You're pretty awesome, but you're not God. There is no one that compares to him. He's the one true God. And because he's the one and only true God, here's something that we've kind of just been a part of for the last, by the way, today marks kind of six years for us in this building. Isn't that cool? We were, we were like the children of Israel for the first six and a half years of our existence. We were nomadic, kind of breaking into buildings and borrowing them for the weekend to have worship. But, but six years ago, God blessed us with this place so that we could, could worship together and, and have a place to call home. And, 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 and I just, I want to give him glory and honor, but we made a decision from the very beginning because he's the one true God. We, we just, a, a pillar of, of us, of ours here at, at 1910 is that we're going to worship him with everything we have. We're gonna, now, now worship's not just singing. So let me just burst your 
bubble a little bit right there. It's not just singing. We're going to worship. That means that we're going to live a lifestyle that honors and glorifies God because he's the one true God. There is no one else that deserves that. You know, shortly after Moses led the Hebrew children out of the captivity of Egypt, God gave them, we've seen the movie, Charlton Heston reminded us, God gave them 10 commandments, right? These commandments were, were given to, to serve as kind of a, a guide of, of how to live their life and, and how to be a free and holy people. And do you remember what, what, what the very first of the 10 commandments says? Let me read it for you. Verse two of Exodus 20. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And here it is. You must not have any other God but me. Why would he start with that? We'll get there in just a second. He goes on to say, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. The first commandment. You must not have any other gods before me. And I'm reminded also, we can fast forward to the New Testament when Jesus was questioned one day in Mark chapter 12, a, 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 a religious leader comes and says, of all the laws, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And in verse 29, Jesus replied this, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now this religious leader should have known that because because every Hebrew boy growing up learns that. It's called the Shema. And he learns that. That's why they still walk around wearing in the phylacteries on their foreheads or around their wrists. It's what embraces their doorposts when they walk in. Every good Hebrew knows this. And Jesus is having to remind this religious leader. Uh, come on, we've been over this. Do you not remember your educational formative years? You love the Lord your God. The God of Israel, the Lord is the one and only Lord. But just like the Hebrews of the Old Testament, you know, they tended to have a lapse in judgment and they began to, to worship other pagan deities and statues of animals and, 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 and other objects. And you know that when they did those things, things begin to fall apart for them, right? Hey, can I just remind us of something this morning? Anything that takes the place of our devotion to God becomes an idol or a false God. Anything, anything. What would some of those anythings be? I'm glad you were thinking that. Jesus spoke to one of those anythings in, in, in the book of Matthew. Jesus singles out that this love of wealth can be a false God. Look what he says. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Spoiler alert. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I know that this was just a biblical problem in Matthew 6. That there in our day and time would never be anyone that would feel like they're enslaved to money. 
<laughs> That's why we have to have Blake and Janelle Buttry still teach, you know, um, financial peace, right? We, we need it. I, I've taken it like 13 times, you know? Uh, you would think, how many times does it take for you, bro, right? But I know that I'm not alone. And I know that in our culture today, this can be one of those things that causes so many people fear and angst and anxiety. How many of you have gotten to the end of the month? You're going, oh, shoot. <laughs> I, I need a fish and loaves miracle right now because I don't know how we're going to make this happen. Right? There are other biblical passages that talk about greed or arrogance or gluttony, pride. I hate gluttony. Why does he have to put that in there? It's just so wrong, isn't it? Because he knew pastor would like a buffet every once in a while. All of these things can be the equivalent of idolatry. So it's, it's, it's not fair for us just to point our fingers at the children of Israel as Moses is walking down off the mountain with these 10 commandments. They have, what have they done while he's gone? They've built an image. They've gotten all their gold together. They've melted it and molded and fashioned an image. God knew that we would be idol worshipers. And even in our culture today, there's still so many things that compete with God's devotion. There's so many things that we've erected, maybe you've not even thought about, that have become more important to us than God and his commandments. For instance, what about excessive attention to material things that we possess today? Our clothes, our houses, our cars, our jewelry, our physical appearance, our entertainment. If we're not careful, those things can steal away from our devotion to God. And we can begin to pursue those things more than the God who is the true God. What about your pursuit of wealth or power or status or pleasure or fame? All of those things, listen, can become a God, can become an idol that consumes us, that steals our devotion from the Father in heaven. What about our excessive devotion to ourself? Maybe a job that you have. Maybe there's a hobby that you enjoy. Maybe, maybe, there's a, maybe there's another human being that you've elevated above the one true God. A leader. Another hero in your life. Listen, you, 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 we must not let these things sneak in and become a God to us. There's nothing inherently wrong with these things except whenever we place them on the throne of our life that we bow down and begin to worship and make no mistake about it. That is what every one of us have in common listening today. There is something sitting on the throne of your life that you bow down to. Ooh, let, can I, I'm just going to say, it. I'm just going to say it. You're going to hate me for saying it. Hey, parents, for some of us, it's our kids. I said it. I went there. And it's whatever, and our kids are the CEOs of our homes and they're running around. Some of you moms are dreading the summer. You know why? Because you have to become activities coordinator for your kids. Hey, tell them to mow a yard, ride a bike, get, get on your skateboard. You, you go do something. I made that happen when I was your age and I, I turned out Awesome. We need slides that are made out of metal that burn the hide off your legs. We need merry-go-rounds that make you vomit on the playground. Come on, somebody. I'm just, okay. Sorry, sorry. That's the coffee kicking in. Where, I don't even know what we're talking, what are we talking about today? 
anything that we put on the throne of our lives, and you have something there, can steal away your devotion to the one true God. Are you with me? Now listen, that's not the sermon. That was all kind of the intro. But I do want to focus, if I can, for just a few minutes, and I got to lock and load. Are you with me? Say, I am. I want to share with you, there's something that I believe has got to be restored above any of that stuff I've already said to you about God and our view of him. And that's a fear of God. When I say that I need to, we need to have a, we need to restore a fear of God. I'm talking about a holy fear of God. Listen, over and over in the Bible, you're, we are exhorted to fear God. We, 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 we are called to have a fear of the Lord. We are called to live in godly fear. Now, don't check out on me right now. Hang, hang in there with me. Here, here's what I mean. Godly fear isn't the same type of fear that we would have towards a tyrant or a dictator. We, we, we don't need to fear his anger Unless you, you, you fear the punishment because of some bad decisions you've been making, something called sin in your life, th- th- then you, I think we do need to elevate that and be concerned about that. We'll get to that in just a second. But, but, but here's what I mean when I talk about to have a fear of God. To fear God is, is absolute reverence and awe for the Almighty One, the creator of all things. That, that, that's what I'm talking about. I can't wait to get to this place on a Sunday because I know that I get to come into the presence with you guys. Now, I don't need you to, to, to be able to, to encounter the presence of God. I sit on my back porch and, and, and man, I encounter the presence of the Lord. But, but I'm telling you, there is something really special when, when we're gathered together. I leaned over to, to Zeke today. Zeke was down front with me there and I hugged him. But man, in a moment, I'm just, I'm not singing today and I'm just soaking in and I hear Zeke singing his guts out today. And I'm going, you know what? I'm glad I showed up for that. That's special. I, when I say we need to have a holy fear, I'm talking about where we're, we're just caught up in his presence where there is an awe and a reverence for, for who he is. I don't come as we say, God, I'm not coming for you. I'm not expecting you to bless me today. And some of us do that all crud. I'm in a bad place in life. And if I just go to church, that's going to make it right. A fear of God means to, to have reverence and awe for who he is. Why do I have that? Because he has called me my name. He's called me to serve him. He's forgiven me. And he's got an eternal destiny mapped out for my life. And how could I not show love and affection and gratitude towards him because of all that he's done for me? Am I talking to anybody else in this house today? A fear of God. Some of us, though, may have a fear of God because of something called sin. This this may cause us to fear God in a completely different manner. Can I ask you a question this this morning? Do you ever think about the sin in your life and does that ever bring fear to you? Do, do, do you ever have that moment before you, 
you, you, you launch into something that you know is, is, is not over. Is there ever that check in your spirit like, I probably shouldn't go there. But you go anyway. You see, I, I, that's why I, I, I don't think we have a fear of the Lord enough. I don't think we're enamored with his awe and, and have reverence for him in such a way that, that it causes us not to steer clear of, uh, of sin because we want nothing else in this world. If I'm in, I, I want to live a life that is pleasing him. I want to live a life that is honoring to him. And listen, when I sin, listen, to, to commit sin is to consciously do something that we know goes against God's will. We know those things, but yet we, we go there anyway, Right? And listen, that can be through words you say, that can be through, through an action or a behavior. It could just even be with a thought. You know that's where sin starts, right? I don't think anyone wakes up and says, you know what, today I'm just going to dive into sin. No. It starts with a thought that's been planted there by an enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy you. And it starts there. But what happens is we don't push the delete button or we don't set our mind on things above. And what happens is that thing, it begins to grow, right? It grows. In fact, look in James chapter one, it says temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And those desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to to death. And then Deuteronomy chapter 10 says, and now Israel, what does the Lord, your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord, your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. Look at verse 13. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today. What do those last few words say? for your own good. See, a lot of us think that, man, God's given us this is long laundry list of what I can't do. And blah, blah, he's, he's a killjoy and he's trying to steal life. And blah. no, the enemy steals life. God came to give you life. But, but listen, listen, there are things that God has established. What are those last four? For your own good. For your own good. My parents used to have some rules and, and, and boundaries for me and, and, and they were not to suck the joy out of life, but they were for my own good. I didn't always like it all the time. And sometimes I would notice some of my other friends getting away with that mess, but I couldn't. But it's for your own good. <clears throat> See, I believe that if we don't fear the Lord, we don't take sin seriously. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Man, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Praise God for you. Thankful. But that being a sinner saved by grace does not give us a blank check to continue to live like the devil. And I'm thankful for God's love and I'm thankful for God's mercy. And, and maybe we as churches have not spoken on sin enough. Maybe we, we've become a little bit too, we just want to make you feel good when you leave here. I want you leaving here thinking that I'm, I'm awesome and I'm for you. And, and, and maybe in that we've not spoken enough about sin. I just want to tell you the consequences of sin are enormous. Even though, even for those of us that, 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 that have been forgiven of our sins, I'm telling you, 
you still have to reap the results of that sin you commit. There might still be some pain and, and hurt. Oh, I just, it was just, it was just a one night affair. And now that marriage is over. Or, you know, gosh, it was, it was just, it was just one little whatever. And it, it is, it just compounded and escalated to even more. And there's a result of, 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 a, of a poor decision. Are you with me there? You know, though there's one thing about God that, that we may know or we might not know. We may like it and we might not like it, but, but God is also judge, isn't he? he he's, he's judge. And, 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 and I just know that God is patient and he's merciful. And, 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 and I know the reality is that when we die, or, or when Jesus comes again, I'm kind of praying for that one. I would love for him to kind of return any moment. Are you with me? And he could, he could. But when we die or, 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 or when he, he returns, I'm telling you, there's going to be no more opportunity for repentance. There's not going to be any more opportunities for you to say, oh, crud, what they were saying was right. <laughs> what do you do then? It's too late. And just know that the Bible says that all the people who've ever lived are going to be judged. Now, God's going to judge different people by, 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 by different standards. He's going to judge based, depending on your knowledge of the gospel. What did you do? What did you do with his son, Jesus? Listen, I made a way for you. I, my son hung on a cross for you. What, what, what will you do? Listen, this is the way for you to be forgiven. This is a way for you to receive and inherit life abundant on earth and life eternal. But listen, the reality is what did you do with him? Listen, God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves to hell by rejecting the perfect gift of Jesus Christ on the cross. So don't ever think, I can't believe God would send people to hell. He doesn't. He sends a son that loved the world, that whoever would believe in him would not perish. That's the truth. But we're going to be judged for how we live. We're going to be judged with, with, with what we did with the gospel. We're going to be judged with, I believe, the wealth and the gifts and the abilities that God has entrusted to us. Now look what the word says real quick. And we're out of here. Luke 12, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone who has been entrusted, entrusted with much, even more is going to be required. Wow. Listen, eternal life awaits. Eternal life is ready and available to those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Eternal life with God awaits those judged to be righteous, yes. But hell awaits those who are judged to be wicked. What makes a person wicked? It all comes down to what you do with Jesus. It's hard, isn't it? Sorry, I didn't mean to end there. I want you to like me but I love you too much to not tell you the truth too. Is that okay? Listen, we need, I'm gonna start where we ended. In fact, just go ahead and stand with me. Ministry team, go ahead and come down front. We're, we're done. Listen, we need God more than ever before, don't we? I started with that statement today. We need him now more than ever before in our nation. We need him. Can I just tell you something? You need God now more than ever before. And I don't know how you view him. I don't know what, what he is to you. But I'm just telling you, 
He is the real deal. He is the one true God. And all these other imitations that we've allowed to sneak into our lives, listen, we need to cast those gods aside. And we need to develop a holy fear of God. We need to live in awe and reverence of Him and choose to bring Him glory and honor through the lives that we live. Are you with me there today? So what is it that comes to your mind as Tozer would challenge us when you think of God? I wonder if we believe the words of this song that's, I believe, playing over us. Is He more than enough? Is, is there anything else we need? Nothing else. Is, is He enough? Nothing else will do. Is God enough? Nothing else. Is there, or, or do we need other things? Nothing else. Nothing else. Let's just make that our prayer and declaration. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Father, forgive us for placing other things, other little gods on the throne. These things have stolen our devotion to you. And Father, I pray that we would lay them aside and that we would be restored to you, Father. Our view of you, God, would be placed in its rightful position. God. We pray for those today that might be carrying around some sort of hurt or pain. Maybe for someone here today, there's a conviction of sin in their lives right now. That's why our ministry team stands down front this morning. We are here to receive people and to pray with and encourage you. We're here to to come alongside of you with any need that you may have today. So don't miss this holy moment of prayer and interceding with one another. And God, I do pray that as we leave this room today, we would live holy lives. And God, we would continue to live daily in awe and reverence of who you are. Lord, that sin would disgust us and that our lives would be a testimony to you of how grateful we are for who you are and all you've done. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.